Welcome to Logical, the UE's first and only that we are aware of legal podcast. My name's Simelia. Logical comes to you from the Dubai-based legal firm HPL, Yamalaba and Pleska. And as always, here is the managing partner, Ludmilla Yamalaba. Lovely to see you. Tim, great to see you too in person and real flesh and blood. Today, transferring property. It's a daunting thing uh, to do. It's not something that many of us do many times. For most of us, property is the big investment that we make in our lifetime. Here in Dubai, transferring property takes a few steps, Ludmilla. I want to run through those. And I suppose it all starts with agreeing terms, really. Let's imagine I'm a buyer. Uh, I've just agreed terms with the seller of the property that I want to buy. We need something to formalize, uh, obviously, the agreement. But what should that include? uh, And what should that look like? And as well as that, is that where we should start? That's uh, certainly having, uh, I guess, finding the property and uh, finding the party uh, who you'll be buying from is uh, the right starting point. And then ultimately agreeing on terms uh, is, uh, I guess, the next uh, step. Uh, But before I dive into uh, what uh, terms and conditions uh, would be wise or prudent to include in the agreement, let me set Mm -hmm. the stage in terms of real estate market in the UAE and in Dubai in particular. Uh, Now, unlike uh, what many still believe today, Dubai in particular has always had the option of buying freehold property, not leasehold, but freehold. Many still believe that uh, when we're talking about buying property in Dubai, it's it's some sort of some form of leasehold. In other words, 99 year leasehold in particular. Uh, So this concept does exist in the UAE, but it historically was predominantly available or common in Abu Dhabi. Uh, So as the country was opening up to foreign investors and tourists, uh, Dubai had carved out a number of areas, geographic areas in the Emirate, uh, which were offered on a freehold basis to foreigners to buy. Abu Dhabi, on the other hand, mainly, at least in the beginning, mainly offered properties on leasehold basis, the 99 years. And perhaps this is where the, the confusion um, stemmed from. Uh, but as far as Dubai is concerned, I struggle to remember any, pro- any area in Dubai that is on a leasehold basis. Uh, Abu Dhabi has since started to introduce and redesignated some of the areas also um, on the freehold basis. But Dubai, when we're talking about Dubai and buying property in Dubai, it truly is all freehold. Now, what is freehold? Freehold, in simple terms, the definition of, of owning property freehold is that it's unencumbered, an absolute right uh, and um, to, the, to the property to buy, to own, to transfer that's is the sim- the simplest way of explaining the concept of freehold property as i say that and that's uh, what uh, foreign investors that uh, they do decide to buy in dubai come in here prepared to uh, to invest in as freehold and that's how they understand that they just can come and and, and buy property and that is for the most part is true however dubai does have this nuance as far as freehold property is concerned so even though it is i let's say you are the buyer in this case and i am the seller so i own my property freehold, uh, which means it's unencumbered, unconditional, absolute uh, ownership right. In order for me to transfer this property to you, I still need approvals. And so that's the nuance I wanted to highlight. And I'll walk uh, through the the details of of these approvals. 
uh, as as we go through the discussion. But that is uh, is 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 a concept that is not common in other jurisdictions where freehold property uh, exists. Uh, so um, usually, if I want to sell, I just sell. I don't need any permits or approvals um, to, to do so. There are, depending on where the property is in Dubai, there could actually be several layers of approvals. Uh, but that is, I just wanted to set the stage because this does define and color the process of property transfers because much depends in terms of the timing and the documents and the process and the costs on these approvals, on obtaining these approvals. Because in an ordinary situation, perhaps let's say in the UK or in the US, if you wanted to buy property and you are the buyer, I'm the seller, you and I agree on the price and um, uh, we uh, sign the documents and the property is transferred um, and we exchange title deeds or I guess the title deed is updated. Now the title deed has your name and that it just could be a matter of a few days. Uh, in Dubai, uh, there's a number of steps that need to be followed and in particular these approvals and permits need to be approved before I, I transfer the property to you. So that is one nuance I do want to highlight because it is a bit um, unorthodox, so to speak. Uh, when you do own freehold property, that concept uh, of, of getting approvals does not is somewhat inconsistent with the idea of freehold. Be it as it may, uh, there is um, the, there are these requirements of approvals, and they are um, they exist for a, re- a reason. And I will uh, I'll um, flush this out further as we go through the process. Uh, so that's where the stage is. Now, going back to your original question is, uh, so wh- where do we start? So mm. it's uh, obviously the agreement is uh, is one of the first uh, important substantive uh, parts of the exercise. But even the form of the agreement in, de- much depends on who are the parties that are involved in a transaction. And this perhaps is another nuance that that is very common to the Dubai real estate market and that is who are the parties so let's say you and me so you are the buyer and I am the seller I as a seller may actually not be in Dubai when I'm selling so I'm being represented by someone else which is very common in Dubai and equally so you too may be coming based somewhere else and you want to buy but you are not here full-time to actually be going and doing a lot of the paperwork and a lot of the legwork yourself. So it's very common in Dubai that both parties, the seller and the buyer, could be represented by someone else. To be properly represented in this part of the world, we both must uh, give powers of attorney to our respective representatives. And these powers of attorneys are not just uh, a document that I sign authorizing a person to represent me, but in fact a document that is properly notarized by the Dubai notary in particular, uh, or by that's been legally attested by the various uh, government authorities. Uh, so there is another element is that uh, it could be you could have multiple buyers and multiple sellers. And that too complicates the transaction because it's once again, it's important to say if you are buying a property uh, that is owned by multiple, uh, m- multiple owners, you need to make sure that the power of attorney is granted by both owners. Uh, so not just I, I cannot act on behalf of the co-owner, uh, the, the co-owner has to give you either a separate power of attorney or to, to the representative or to give me the power of attorney to represent them. So these are very perhaps small but very important details that need to be addressed early on the process. Uh, the, the real estate market in Dubai has 
continues to evolve as obviously the market grows. And uh, one of the other uh, signs of this evolution compared to, for example, when I came here years ago, is the form of the power of attorney. In the past, just these generic powers of attorneys uh, that could have been issued ages ago, uh, they were valid for transfer properties and including uh, even the right to for the representative to accept money on my behalf. Now, there is a, a fairly strict requirement in terms of um, the form of these powers of attorneys. They need to be very specific to the property itself. So in my case, where I'm the seller, I do need to grant you, or not you, but to the representative, a very specific power of attorney that that mentions specifically the property which I'm authorizing the representative uh, to sell on my behalf. <clears throat> that was not the case before, but now it's very important to do this. Again, things are changing so rapidly and really before our eyes, but I do want to mention it now. And before COVID, uh, to have that kind of a power of attorney for me to issue it uh, to sell this particular property, I actually would need to bring the original title deed to the notary to show to them the original, and only then they would issue the power of attorney. Again, that was a big change from how things were before. Now, since COVID, uh, most of the titles, property titles and other documents are, exist in on the blockchain uh, system. So therefore, they can be uh, located just purely by QR code through a QR code. And now, therefore, it's not necessary to uh, bring the original power of attorney. Uh, the original title deed in order to have the power of attorney issued. Right. So that's another another change, recent uh, development to um, uh, to the system and to the process and protocol of transferring properties in Dubai. So, okay, so let's say we figured out who the representative parties are in terms of buying and selling. There is another important element is broker. So do we have brokers and do you have your own broker? Do I have my own broker or do we have one broker that represents both of us? As um, odd as it may sound, often there is one broker that represents both parties. That's a subject for another day, but then of itself uh, can carry inherent to conflict of interest. But it is quite common. Well, I want to come to that, actually. But I, th- I, I think you're right. I think that is a subject for another day. And that's a subject, actually, for another podcast, to be honest with you. But but it's interesting that, and I can see where those conflicts might arise. The thing that comes from all of the things that you've said so far is there's a bit more to it, isn't there? But I still don't have to. And tell me if I'm um, wrong here. I don't have to have a lawyer look over the MOU. There is no legal requirement for me to engage the services of a lawyer. I could, in theory, script this by myself and just go ahead. Absolutely. And what's even more interesting is that most property transfers happen without a lawyer. Most property transfers happen with a broker, but without a lawyer, which I guess depends on who you ask, uh, is uh, a a bit backwards. (laughs) To me, that seems kind of irregular. It certainly is, because what we're talking about is a transfer of an important right or asset, a valuable asset, uh, and as part of it, a whole set of legal documents and uh, undertakings, uh, which by virtue of uh, of, of, of what they are, uh, should require or should at least have someone who is experienced in the legal profession to review and um, uh, 
amend or if, if not draft from the outset. Mm. Uh, and uh, that's in, in most parts of the world, that's how it's done. Here, the uh, it's much more common to have uh, to have property transfers be accompanied by brokers and much, much, much less common to have a lawyer. But uh, from a legal standpoint, and I do want to highlight this since you asked the question, there is no law that requires for parties to have a lawyer, nor is there a law that requires to have a broker, mm. unlike what some may tell you. Now, why I, I bring this up at uh, this stage of our discussion is because if you do have a broker, the entire transaction then is filtered through that prism, which is if you have a broker in Dubai in particular, then they sort of set the tone in terms of what agreements are signed and in what form. Right. And um, this is perhaps another nuance and that is um, uh, quite uh, sp uh, specific to, to the Dubai real estate market. But if, let's say, you and I are dealing just as a buyer and seller directly, we don't need a lawyer, we don't need a broker. And if we don't have a broker, our dealings can be much simpler because going back to your original question, we need to have an agreement. And then the agreement could be in a form of what is often known in Dubai as an MOU, which is a Memorandum of Understanding. It's a bit of a ubiquitous term that's, that's used generically, but ultimately it's an agreement to, uh, to, to transfer asset or real estate asset. But MOU, for the purposes of, of ease of reference, will use that term. But you and I can just sit down and jot our own MOU. We don't even really need to type it out. It could even be by hand. And uh, in terms of the terms that we need to agree on, there are a number of specific terms that whether we do it just directly or through a broker, that certainly need to be, uh, to be in there. One is the price. And um, uh, two is, and this is one of the requirements in Dubai, is whenever you do property transfer, there is a, a property transfer fee that is paid to what's called the land department or Dubai Land Department or DLD. And that's the authority that oversees uh, ownership of land and uh, and registers ownership and, and transfers of, of uh, land. And so that's DLD. And so DLD fee for transfer of property is 4%. Right. So we need to agree, you and I need to agree, uh, apart from the price, uh, who pays the 4%. The law, the way the law is drafted, it's um, it suggests it's 2% by the buyer and 2% by the seller. Mm. In practice, however, the it has uh, become a lot more common and expected that the buyer will pay the full 4% to um, the land department. But that's basically one of the other fees that or terms that needs to be outlined clearly in the MOU. But it's not legally stipulated that one or the other should pay. It's, it's indicated. Well, the law says the property transfer fee is 4%, payable 2% by the buyer, 2% by the seller. That's kind of how the law is drafted. Okay. Its application or enforcement is a lot, a lot more flexible. And uh, in most cases, the buyer pays a full 4%. However, when the land department issues receipts, it issues two receipts. 
So one for 2% and the other one for 2%. So which kind of trails the, um, uh, the law, the language of the law, which is 2% by the buyer, 2% by the seller. But ultimately, it's a commercial term. And then you, if you as a buyer wish to pay my 2%, then it's for you and me to, uh, uh, to, to agree on that. And perhaps it's, it wouldn't be, a, it, this could be done differently. We can agree on me paying my 2%, but we would have to set a different price. And so if I'm looking uh, for a net price, a certain amount, and it would be for you as the buyer, in fact, it might be cheaper uh, to just pay my 2% uh, than for for me and you and split our 4%, because then if I'm looking for a certain net price, I would increase the property price. I would increase it. And so it's in order to uh, to ensure that I receive net whatever it is that I want to receive. But it doesn't, it kind of highlights the necessity of having the agreement in place, doesn't it? For sure. But I do want to highlight as well that it's very possible for parties to just go and do the transfer without much of an agreement. And this is, I'll tell you why, because of what Dubai in particular has done or the system and the framework it has created for purposes of transferring property. In short, it has um, delegated to an extent uh, uh, some of these, the transfer services to what's called the trustee offices, which are more numerous around Dubai than used to, and all these transfers used to be done before in the land department itself, so which obviously caused all sorts of queues and and lines and, and traffic, whereas now there are more places to go to do the transfer. And these trustee centers are officially uh, authorized and, and linked and related to a DLD, and therefore their systems, they basically said they have a DLD system. So let's say you, because you and I can just go, and let's say you want to buy my property for a million dirhams, we go without even an agreement. We go to the trustee office, and um, you give me a check, or let's say manager's check for a million dirhams. We show it to the trustee. We sign some forms in front of the trustee, and then you, as a buyer, I would pay the four percent to the trustee uh, for the uh, for the property registration, and voila, there's not much more that needs to be done. So, in a way, as long as we um, commercially agree, and then on the day of transfer, you pay your your the sale price to me, and we prove you show evidence to the tru- uh, to the trustee, and then you pay the land department fee. That's you know, that's basically that's your agreement, right? Uh, but it's it, this does sound a little a little simple and a perhaps a little overly simplistic. And this is because we still have not gone through the process of the of the NOCs and the NOC being the No Objection Certificate, okay, or the approvals uh, or the uh, the various uh, permits to be able to transfer the property. So before you and I actually show up there, the trustee to do this property transfer, there's a number of other things that need to be done before I'm able to even sign off on the transfer. Well, let's talk about those other things then, the things that we need to have in place before we just go and sign over the, the asset, the, the, the apartment, the house, whatever it is. Um, you talk, NOC is a term that we use here in Dubai a lot, the no objection certificate. We're kind of used to that term, but what, what NOCs do we need here? Yes, so it depends on where the property is located to an extent, but mm-hmm. there is a, certainly, irrespective of where we are, there is a, a few standard NOC, if you will. So 
ultimately, this is an NOC from the various utility providers and okay. for the management company uh, to show that all my, let's say me as, as the seller, all my liabilities or debts have been settled. Right. So the utilities being, for example, the the uh, the uh, telecom com- uh, company, uh, be it a telecom provider, be it in Dubai, do or Etisalat. So I need to get clearance that I have paid all my uh, my phone bills mm-hmm. uh, and my internet bills. So there is no debt or liability attached to that particular property under my ownership. So that's one sort of final statement. Uh, and that's a, that final statement is a form of, of a, an approval, if you will, or an NOC. Then we'd, I'd have to get a sim, similar final statement from uh, DIWA in Dubai. That's uh, Dubai Electricity and Water Authority. And that's the authority that provides, obviously, electricity and water to the apartment. And there's always a fee that, obviously, the service is just payable service on a monthly basis. So uh, that I need to get a statement of account or the final statement from DIWA to show that I have paid all my dues. Then I need to get a statement from the air conditioning service provider or air, uh, air con in, the, in Dubai, it's mainly district cooling uh, because that's the form of, of AC service that we, uh, we receive here and that's based on district cooling concept. So whoever the district cooling service provider is, you would need to get also a, a final statement from them. So here I already have one statement from the uh, telephone company, another one from the water and electricity, and another one from the district cooling or the AC provider. So before I get any of those three final statements, obviously I cannot I cannot proceed uh, to the next step. And um, to pay to these three utility providers, uh, you need to obviously make the payment. In order to get these final statements of account, you need to make the payments. And these payments sometimes need to also be paid up front, you know, for, let's say, another another term, depending on where in the month, let's say, you um, you receive your, your statement. Sure. More importantly, and this is quite nuanced, is if the property is not uh, rented. So it's just me selling my property to you. In order for me to receive these final statements of account, I need to disconnect all these utilities. So on the day I receive my final statement of account from Diwa, I must disconnect it. The service must be disconnected because ultimately afterwards the, the services will, the, the fees will continue or accumulate further. So in order for me to receive the final statements, I need to disconnect Diva, uh, water, electricity, phone, and district cooling. Right. So now I've received all of these uh, final statements. My next level is with all of these NOCs, I go to the management company that collects ultimately that manages the the property or the community and in Dubai every property has a management company even if you own a villa there is um, a management company that oversees that particular neighborhood and so um, they they usually referred to as a you know, owners association or a management company really for sim- in simple terms and so the management company will need to issue you an NOC to uh, show that, that to, to I guess to issue me an NOC to show that I have paid all my service fees uh, or HOA fees uh, for the property, and not only up to the date of transfer, but in fact one quarter forward, and that's just kind of how the practice has developed. So, uh, uh, but they will not issue me the NOC until I have shown them that I've already uh, have final statement from all the other utility providers. 
so now with these three final statements from the three utility providers, I go to the management company and I need to make sure that all my service fees have been paid, even if I were current. Uh, I, in most cases, I need to also pay one quarter forward. I mean, that's just how the requirement is. Now, um, and that is uh, when we transfer the property, and this could be several weeks after I receive this NOC, uh, then there could be some service fees that I've paid uh, in, into the future or, or uh, you know, for future sort of terms. Then this is one of the other terms we would want to include in our agreement that you as the buyer would have to reimburse me for that period for which I have already paid service fees in the, into the future. Uh, so now this is, so that's, you go to the management company and then with that NOC from the management company, then we ultimately have received all the approvals and then we go to um, the trans, uh, trustee center and do that property transfer. However, as we go through the process of obtaining NOCs, it's, uh, it's not as simple in terms of timing as it may sound, because each each one of these service providers, because each one of these is a separate party, has their own protocol and it has their own time or schedule as to how they do this, how, how soon they issue these NOCs. So, and often with the management companies in particular, they'll tell you it takes anything from a week to two weeks. So, um, it's, you, we all kind of can guess or wonder why it takes that long, but that's basically one of the requirements. Or not one of the requirements, but rather one of the um, uh, steps in the process that you need to factor in that these NOC issues does not happen or immediately. It's not like you've paid and you have it. Uh, there's another dimension to this in, in Dubai in particular, and this is, has actually been a very positive development, is that in terms of paying service fees, how do you pay the service fees in the management company? Do you pay directly to the service provider, go to their office and pay? Uh, and now there's an option to pay it basically through a special government app, which is a uh, it's 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 a DLD or Dubai, Dubai Land Department app, and it's called Dubai Rest, mm-hmm. uh, Rest R E S T, and it's this app. If you download the app, so you basically it's an official sort of your portal into your real estate in Dubai. So if you're an owner of the property, you should have this Dubai Rest app active, and you and you'll be able to. Log in and see all your the, all your uh, relationships with, in connection with this particular property or other properties in terms of your uh, title deed and if property is rented, your even your Ijari uh, contract will be populated in this uh, app, and um, and you can also uh, obtain your statements for your service fees through this app. And there is a sub service to this app that's called Molak. Molak is basically the service through which you pay your service fees or you should pay the service fees to ensure the service fees actually paid properly to the um, the management company that's responsible for uh, for the payment of service fees which must be paid in a special escrow account to ensure that they are spent for the property and not to uh, just the management company and sits in their sort of uh, overall company account. So the land department uh, has done quite a bit of work in this regard to ensure that communities are properly protected as in, because obviously 
manage each management company has multiple communities that it manages. So the idea here is that you don't just use one bank account for all these communities and dump all the money in there, that every, every community has its own escrow account and all that money is spent on that community and only. So that's what the Molex system was introduced for. And so it's important that if you, when you do make your payment of the service fees that you pay it through the system and it's also through the system, Dubai Rest, again, that you can also request the NOC. And, uh, but, and I guess it depends on the project, uh, but um, I, the idea is that as, um, as we go through the process and more and more of what we do, we do through this Dubai Rest app, things will expedite. Even the issuance of the NOCs will expedite. Uh, so, uh, so that's basically, it's, you, it's, it's a lot more nuanced, you see? So it's, I started out with the simplest one, how you and I would sell the, or, or do the transfer if we're in a different country, we could just go and, or even here, if just go to the trustee and do it. But because of all these NOCs along the way, there is, a, and, and also the form of payment, it's, a, you know, it's a, certainly is a, is a process. It, it really is. I mean, you need to factor in time you need to factor in that you have to disconnect your utilities you have to pay the bills um final thing just uh, quickly cost for for a lawyer to consider a contract or an mou the land department for the title deed transfer i don't know any translation costs um is there a ballpark figure that you you could budget so it all depends on how the transaction is being managed because, as you recall mm-hmm. early on, I said most property transfers in Dubai do not involve lawyers, but they involve brokers. Mm. Now, brokers on average charge about 2% of the um, the value of the property. So that's your cost. If you don't have a lawyer, that's your cost. And if you have a broker, then the broker will, um, uh, will manage uh, most of these, including these documents. And so if you do, and this is important, when you do have a broker, this MOU that otherwise you and I could sit down and write ourselves, we is, is less relevant because a broker, if you deal with a broker through a broker in, in Dubai, then they are required uh, to use a special form that is a standard form through, through the land department and it's called like a form F, for example, there's different A, B, C. But basically the number of forms that all of a sudden you and I are required to sign just by virtue of having a broker. Right. Now, once we have these forms, one of the forms is this form F, which basically is a form that we, you and I need to sell, and that becomes basically our MOU. So instead of having our own drafted, maybe even handwritten MOU, we are now forced to use this form F. And the form F is a pre-populated form that has a number of terms that we need to to enter uh, and um, then it has at the end terms and conditions which we can add or our own so in a way it's a bit of a uh, of a mix and match and a little bit of, of um, uh, piecemealing of uh, documents so if, if it was if we we're operating without a broker we could just have our own agreement we don't have to piecemeal anything we just draft everything from scratch or use our own whatever template it may be now that since we're dealing with through a broker now we need to use this form f that has has uh, a lot of pre-populated terms uh, in many cases of which uh, many of which don't apply 
Uh, and then at the end of this form, we'll insert our own terms and conditions, which could be, let's say, a copy of our MOU. But it's, it's from a legal standpoint, that's not the most efficient or even helpful way of doing transfers. But for now, that's the, that's the process or protocol that exists today. Now, one of the other important terms I um, omitted, I didn't mention until now, and this is... It, it comes up in particular in the context when you're using a broker in this particular in this form F, is that when you and I agree on buying on I agree on selling my property, you agree on buying, and we agreed on the price. The practice in Dubai that has developed is that when we sign the so-called MOU, be it our own private form or through this uh, form F through the broker, that you give me a you, so you issue a deposit check, and that's your way of basically. Uh, reserving the property, right? right? And that's your way of basically formalizing the MOU. It's just you issue a deposit check. And that in of itself is a very special and a very um, nuanced and very specific to Dubai or maybe UAE concept of, of this deposit. So in other parts of the world, when you sign the MOU, there is a deposit, but the deposit is, relatively speaking, nominal in its value. It could be $5,000, $10,000, $15,000. And in most cases, it's almost always returned to the uh, to the seller or to the buyer if the property does not or the transaction does not go through. But it's still basically your um, confirmation that you are committed to the process. In Dubai in particular, that deposit is much more than five or $10,000. It is actually customarily has become 10% of the property value. So let's say if you're buying a property for 1 million dirhams, you have to issue a deposit check for ten for 100,000 dirhams. Mm. Uh, so, and this is important because everything comes down on that deposit check in terms of how what, how uh, detailed we make our MOU. And that is because if um, you give that, that deposit check or you, you secure your deal with a deposit check, and then, but what, in which case do I have to refund it to you? Or in which case do I have a right to it? Mm. And so these are the terms. So a lot of the MOU, so to speak, dedicate a very significant part in the agreement to what happens to the deposit check and in what form it is given. For example, and this is the, this is the custom. It, this is not by law. This has just become sort of a practice that has developed, but it is not a lot required to be followed or is, you know, let alone mandated by law. So, for example, when you issue the deposit check, you customarily, again, remember, not by law, you don't give that check to me. You, it stays with the broker. So you issue a check, let's say, for the 100,000 dirhams, which is 10% of the purchase price, and it would be in my name, but it's a personal check, not a manager's check, which means you don't actually have to part with your money yet. And then you don't give it, even though it has my name on it, but you give it to the broker. So, um, and then let's say then something goes on with our transfer and uh, I, I change my mind uh, or I cannot transfer for one reason or another, or you cannot uh, buy it for one reason or another. So what happens with that check? So I will tell you from a legal standpoint, and this is why I wish that more property transfers in, in the UAE had a lawyer involved, at least to an extent. And it's exactly to document and manage uh, this issue of the deposit check. And this is because let's 
face it, we're all humans and things happen along the way and sure. uh, your circumstances might change, my circumstances might change and the property transfer might not happen. So if it doesn't happen, what happens with the check? So this is where ultimately, normally in the MOU, we would detail that. Let's say the deposit check is um, 10% and you issue it in the form of a personal check and it will be held by the broker and the broker being ABC. Uh, and in the event, uh, let's say I change my mind as the uh, as the seller, uh, then you are entitled to, so I the, the check has to be returned to you. And then you would want me to pay you a penalty for the same amount uh, for bailing out of the transfer. So that's one scenario. The other scenario is that if you bail out for whatever reason, you cannot proceed with the transfer, that that check will be transferred to me by the broker uh, and as compensation for the breach of the agreement. Another layer of complexities in most cases, and I, I highlight once uh, over and over again that this is not by law and it's purely by practice, is that in that case, when the agent gives me that check for 100,000 dirhams as a penalty, there's always in most cases, and this is where the form F comes, for, uh, comes forward, is that there is this uh, term that has been used quite frequently is that out of the 100,000 dirhams, I have to give 20% to the broker for their efforts. And I will tell you, and this is not an exaggeration, that in the 90, if not 95% of the cases, that the, the terms that I have seen, um, how the brokers define or narrate um, this this uh, management of the deposit check is in fact the broker ends up being better off when the property transfer does not go through than when it does go through. So, uh, and that's because usually they take uh, 20% from the deposit check, which in most cases is much higher than if they were actually received their 4% or 2% from the purchase price. And this is just evolved practice. This is not there's no law requiring a broker or offering a broker 20% of a deposit. No, not at all. That's right. just, yes. But this is basically, okay. it's, this is, but I will tell you, this is why the MOUs, and this is why I, I took uh, or I discussed this, I came to this point, you know, this uh, later in the transaction, because you asked with a simple question, how do we agree in the agreement? Yeah. What we'll put in the agreement? But mm -hmm. this is, this issue with the deposit check is what causes the most issues uh, in the agreement. Because there's so many layers to it. There is uh, the you know, me as the as the seller. I mean, my entitlement to it. You as the buyer. If if I breach, and then what the broker stands to receive, uh, if either one of us breaches, and the form of this check, and and the payment, and how, and and if you breach, if the broker just hands me the check, but what if you challenge the broker and you tell the broker, I don't want you to give the check to Ludmila because one, two, three. So there's most of the disputes from a legal standpoint, the, most of the disputes that relate to real estate transfers happen purely because of this, this practice of exchanging uh, this deposit check one and two for the deposit check being the amount that it is. Because if we're talking about $5,000, $10,000, in most cases, you could just say, fine, if, you know, if one on one, either one, one of us breaches, we just lose that money and we move on. But when we're talking about 10% of the property value, that's obviously an extraordinary a large amount of money. And mm. so neither one of us will just walk away from it just like that. I won't let you, I won't pay you that just because 
um, I've reached and you won't uh, want me to have it just because your circumstances have changed and you cannot go ahead with the transfer. So just to kind of wrap this up, this is basically the biggest and the most complicated or complex issue in property transfers. Uh, and in particular, the terms that end up in um, these uh, Form Fs or the MOUs. And this is in terms of your question about the cost. If you were to bring in either a lawyer to draft this along the way, or if there's a dispute, basically this is where the mo most... Um, uh, dispute happens, most conflict, most issues, and therefore their foremost cost. We need to look at brokers in more detail, and we'll do that in the next podcast. That's this episode of Logical, transferring property. I, I hoped it was going to be a relatively simple look, but there's a lot more to it, and I appreciate you outlining that, Ludmilla. Our legal expert here, Ludmilla Yamalva, managing partner here at Yamalva and Pleska. Thank you as ever. Thank you, Tim. You can find us at LY Law on social media, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, uh, wherever you get your social updates. We have a library of hundreds of podcasts, all kinds of legal issues here in the UAE, all free to listen to and to get a legal question answered in a future episode of Logical. All you have to do is get in touch and click contact at lylawyers.com. <laughs>